Hey, this is Nathan. And this is Thomas. Today on Not the Pastor, we get to talk to evangelist David Young about communication. We're going to talk about why communication can be hard for couples. We'll talk about how task-oriented communication is not enough for meaningful connection. And then Brother Young will talk about some ways husbands and wives can speak love to each other. The truth is, most of us struggle with communication on some level. So this conversation is going to be a help. Young, we're so glad to have you here today. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's my honor. Thank you guys for having me. Well, we're going to talk about communication. Specifically, we're going to dial in on husbands and wives and talk in that way. And man, I find sometimes, and this is maybe a little stereotypical, but I find communication a hard thing for me to do. Why is communication a hard thing for couples? Why is that something that's so hard? Well, that's a, that's a really unique question. And it's almost, it seems like a weird question because you would think that, that it'd be a given, right? We talk all our life from a baby start babbling and you know, you have children, you guys that have children know that they talk all the time and some talk more than others, obviously. But what we find is that although this is an incredible gift that God gave us, yeah, uh, it's amazing that God gave us the ability to communicate. Yes. You know, I grew up on a farm. And there's no doubt that, that the dogs communicate. There's no doubt that the horses and the cattle communicate, but they don't talk. Uh, they communicate by emotion or they communicate in the different ways. You know, they watch each other. Uh, I've often said that uh, when it comes to working with young people, children are like chickens. The younger ones, the junior age, they're like chickens. <laughs> because if you want to drive chickens, they're just everywhere. They, right. just, they just scatter. And, but teenagers are like cattle. And if you've ever been driving along a field and you see cattle off in the distance, if you have one cow that perks up her head and she starts heading off across the field to whatever caught her attention, it's the most amazing thing in the world that every cow in that field will perk up her head. And you'll, you'll see this happen all the time with cattle. They all start heading in the same direction. And when I, when I work with teenagers, I tell them, you think about this as a teenager, uh, you're, you're a leader and others are going to follow. And if you go in the wrong direction, you're going to lead in the wrong direction. But if you go in the right direction, somebody's going to follow you. And yes. teams just to follow. But, but the thing is that uh, even though animals can communicate, uh, you know, we've all, everybody emulates the whale communicating. Right. And uh, thank God we don't have to communicate like that. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> God gave us this gift and it's a gift that we have the ability to take our thoughts and our emotions and share them with our words. And, you know, communication is more than just words. You know, you, you, you that are listening on the podcast would know that you're listening to words. Uh, but, but really in a marriage, you can have a conversation via text. You can have a conversation over the phone, but there's no conversation quite like, let me see your eyes. Let, let, you know, one of the things I don't like about masks, I'm in a church this week mm. that is still observing the mask mandates here. And you can't see the emotions of the people. And I said to teenagers yesterday in chapel, I said, uh, are you smiling at my jokes or not? Right. And because I couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah. So, so here's the point. Your question though was, why is this so hard? And it's because of the fact that we live in a sin cursed world there. Yeah. And living in a sin cursed world, 
uh, we, we just absolutely find that sin taints our ability to communicate. Yes. And, and it, it is, it, it becomes more dangerous in things like with anger, anger damages communication. Sure. Uh, selfishness. Uh, you can list a whole list of things, lying, you know, it breaks the trust and now you can't trust a person or, or intensity. You know, there's just some people by nature that, that they have a more intense personality and, uh, and it just, we have to allow the to really fully communicate. This is a spiritual matter. Yeah, that's yeah. good. We, yeah. we have to allow the spirit of God and the word of God to grow us and mature us. Because I will tell you guys, there's nothing perhaps any worse than an unhappy marriage. Okay. Yeah. 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 You know, when you can't talk, <laughs> when you're frustrated at each other, there's a problem going on. And some people allow those problems to compound over months and even years. And the inevitable result is one of two things, either a very unhappy relationship or a divorce. Yeah. The opposite is just as true. And we can so focus on the negative side of communication that we miss the fact that the positive side of communication is that you, you can have a really sweet relationship. Um, your marriage can be so incredibly blessed. I've said this many times, there is no issue in a marriage. There is no problem you will face in a marriage, except that it can be solved by the simple act of communication. Mm. And it really is that simple. And, and isn't it true in your marriage, when you have a problem in the marriage, how do you solve it? Somebody has to talk. Yeah. Somebody has to listen. And yeah. somebody has to say, okay, here's what happened. And here's what I meant. And here's what I didn't mean. And and, and then really, a, a really healthy marriage is the one that in every situation in your marriage, you say things like this. You say, uh, I was wrong, and I'm sorry, <laughs> and will you forgive me, and, and things like that. And, and I, I try to add this one into it because it, it helps me personally. I was wrong, and I'm sorry. And then I add this one. I have no excuse. Sure. Because sometimes I don't know why I said what I said in the way that I said it. It's, yes. you know, if I do sure. know why I didn't have an excuse for saying it that way. And there's something special in a marriage when a problem comes to the marriage and, and hopefully the problems are minuscule. Sometimes they're not, but a minuscule problems are easy. You talk about them and then you look at each other and you, yeah. you solve those problems by communication. And, you know, my, my old standard saying is the greatest part of having problems is you communicate and then you make out. I mean, you yeah. make up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's the sin nature that causes us to struggle with communication. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Well, and even as you're talking, the words that you're using when you're talking about like good communication, things like, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Like, it's, it reminds me, my, my son has been singing, uh, be kind one to another. And then, like, Absolutely. of course, the rest of that song or the rest of that verse is forgiving one another and tender. It's like, my goodness, these are things that are like the way that we're supposed to talk speaks directly to like our new life in Christ. It does. One of the one of the reasons that I struggle with talking like that or talking well or having a meaningful communication is that I have a old man sin nature, <laughs> and that's absolutely yeah. That makes, you know, there are other sense. reasons. Uh, now it starts with the sin nature, but there are other reasons it's hard to communicate. And one is that in our culture we are crazy busy, and uh, in your marriage, what you will find is that uh, in in a marriage, especially when children come along. And, and if your children are younger, which many of you guys have little, little, little ones, you'll find that life is demanding. And what happens is that oftentimes our conversations become task-centric. 
Mm. Uh, meaning that, you know, okay, uh, somebody's got to bathe the children. Somebody's got to make the meal. Who's going to pick up the kids? How are we going to get the kids to sports events? And, and our whole life becomes, you know, hey, will you stop by and pick up the milk? Uh, hey, can, can you run and do this? Hey, can you run and help the kid? Hey, somebody needs help in the bathroom. And it's just, it's a task centric. Uh, so when you combine the busyness with our sin nature, and, and also this is such a strange thing. Uh, technology is so amazing. We couldn't do this podcast without technology. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and my phone, I'm sitting here at this desk in Ohio. I'm 800 miles from home, but I have an iPad over here and I have a MacBook on which I'm talking to you guys. And I have my iPhone over here. We have so many avenues of technology, but nobody communicates anymore. And, and so shooting a text has a place. Oh, yeah. Pastors don't return my calls anymore, but they'll return my texts. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. And even the older guys, you yeah. know, you, you know, there was a time when older guys, I'd go to meetings and they'd make fun of all the young guys on their phones. Right. But now I go to a pastor's fellowship and you'll have a table of, you know, five older men, 65 or 60 years and older, and they're all on their phone. Yeah. And uh, I always want to take a picture of them and post, look at these young people on their phones today. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what we're doing, what we're doing is we're finding so many things in our generation rob us of meaningful conversations. Can we go back to something you mentioned at the very beginning, just briefly, you're talking about technology, phones and all that, but you also mentioned eyes and just how important just eye contact even is for good communication because I, I find all the time that I'll be talking to people and looking off somewhere else, not looking. At, and I don't know if it's because I'm avoiding the, the intimacy maybe that comes with that, or I have to tell myself to look at them while I'm talking to them. Sure. Can, can, can we talk about that for just a second? I Absolutely. mean, how important that is? Well, I can also, there's many avenues on that. And one of the ways it's damaged us, it has damaged the fact that we no longer communicate intimately. Mm-hmm. And intimate communication, and I'm just talking about close communication. You know, two guys can be godly right. men and have intimate conversations. Yes. So I'm using that in a very holy sense. Yes, yes. But you can't have an intimate conversation ultimately over, over text. Now, I have some pretty close ones because every Monday morning, I connect with about nine different men. Uh, all of them are, are younger than me, but young men that have asked for my help regarding their purity battles. Yeah, we connect. We connect many times, but every every week we connect on a Monday morning via text. Yeah, and and it can become pretty pretty open, pretty raw. So I'm not saying it's impossible, but if you're talking about a spouse and the only connection you ever have is over words, and what's happening is we don't look at each other anymore because I have a friend who just did something. He he uh, he actually a friend of his just bought him an Apple Watch. Okay, yeah, and. uh, and when he, when he, he was so happy about it, he's a young guy and he was so happy about his Apple watch. And I said, uh, you know what? I wouldn't have one. And oh, he said, oh, brother Dave, he said, it does this and it does that. And I said, I know. I said, but can I tell you why I personally have refused to, to join the Apple watch brigade? <laughs> and, and he's like, well, yeah, why? And I said, because in our conversation today, you've looked at your watch every time you've gotten a notification. And you and I have been having a very meaningful conversation and all of a sudden you're not looking at me you're looking at a watch and i said to him a moment ago you had no idea what i was saying and he was like, <laughs> Got him. oh you're right you're right you're right but that's not just a watch i have to guard my phone and one of the things i try to do now i leave my phone turned off 
I actually turned off all my notifications. And if I'm having a conversation at a table with a pastor or with a counseling session, I turn my phone upside down on silent mode so that I can't even see the screen if it lights up because it draws my attention away. And, you know, nothing will damage your marriage quite like that. If, you're, if your wife is pouring her heart out to you about something she's concerned about and you look at your watch, yes. she knows you're not listening. Yeah. And so making the eye contact is, is, is so important. And your children want that too. If you, you guys have younger children. And one of the things I always loved about my little ones, my kids when they were younger, is that young children will look to your face. In fact, I remember my kids would put their hands on my face and turn my face toward them because they wanted to see. And, and when our children are in trouble, what do they do? When your kids are wondering, am I going to get in trouble for this? Because maybe you just you know, got onto them or you kind of snapped your finger at something they were doing. They look at your face. And, uh, and it's something that has to happen on purpose. And one of the cases I will make on your podcast today is that if you're going to have meaningful conversations Oftentimes in our culture, they have to be scheduled mm, and on yeah. purpose. And in a marriage, you don't want to you don't want to go to seat on that because you never want to come to the place where you say, "Okay, honey, every day at three o'clock, you have thirty minutes of my own." Yeah, right? <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. that won't go real well. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah. but if you if you do schedule those times, you'll find that it will help you to in other times to connect. Yes. Then it becomes a natural part of your life to where the first person you want to talk to is your wife Yeah, about every little situation. So yeah. Yeah. I hope that's that makes good. sense. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, and we started that conversation. We started this part by talking about how test-centered communication is not enough. It almost gives the feeling like I've communicated. While you were talking, I looked back through my texts with my wife, right, over the last couple of days. And it's amazing how many one line, like, hey, can you do this? Hey, don't forget the Spotify password needs to be changed, right? Hey, sure. was, was was I supposed to exchange that for a large or an extra large, right? Like all those kind of like, I mean, I have like dozens of those kind of messages. And, and those are all important. It does give the feeling like, oh, I talked to my wife all day yesterday. Mm-hmm. Well, not really. I mean, like I, I, we, we sent words back and forth, but it wasn't as if there was much communication during those things. And mm-hmm. so yeah. for somebody maybe like me, who is maybe a little bit more okay with bare minimum of communication, I don't really like talking very much or whatever. All of our listeners go, well, really, you won't shut up here. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but like, that makes me feel like, hey, I've, I've, I've talked, I've, we've, we've communicated through the day. But those times that we've sat down and said, no, we're, we're going to deal with this issue. We're going to have these kind of conversations. You know, let's talk about that tomorrow. I'll get up, we'll get up early and have a meeting in the morning. Mm-hmm. And like, that sounds super scheduled or super rigid, but, but those times this helps sometimes to help us like actually have meaningful conversation that isn't interrupted then by, yes. and by, phones sure. and stuff like that. Right? We'll leave those in the bedroom and we'll come out to the, to the kitchen table and we'll get the, get the notebooks out and we'll have, and we'll get done with those things that are bothering her and things mm-hmm. that are bothering me. And then we've been able to actually like deal with those instead of like those one line texts back and forth. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how much better the communication is the rest of the day. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we're able to, those things have then been gotten, gotten off the chest. We're able to have like break through that initial, like whatever those hindrances are at that first moment. And we're suddenly able to like actually talk and show some love and appreciation for each other through the rest of the day. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Bethley and I have found in our marriage that one of the things that's made our marriage, um, and I, I think I can honestly say this exceptional 
uh, we are madly and happily in love. Uh, my my goal is to set the world record for the world's longest honeymoon. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we're seven and a half years into our honeymoon right now. That's, we have five honeymoon babies. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> It's very impressive. impressive. <laughs> <laughs> but here's what we've done. Something that's really helped us is that we schedule, we spend time together. Yeah. And, and we do it on purpose. And the three times that we spend together every day, uh, Belt and I walk together every morning. We get up early enough so that we can walk a couple of miles. That's a 20 to 30 minute time together. And, and, and we're multitasking in the sense that we're getting exercise. But it's amazing how we just start the day and and she will share what she had in her devotions earlier. And we, we just have casual, you know, yesterday morning we talked about springtime because all along the trail we're walking here in Ohio, there's birds, they're, they're you know, they're just the, the blooms, the trees. It was a beautiful morning, that cool, but warm and sunshiny. So we, we spend time and then we schedule talks meaning that there are some things we've got to talk about and it's more than just a casual. So we schedule it. In other words, she may say, Hey honey, there, there is something I need to talk to you about. I'm concerned about, or that's bothering me. When would be a good time for you to talk now? It's quite frank. You know, I want to know when, when she says something like that, I want to know right now. Oh, hey, yeah. Yeah. What's the yeah. yeah let's fix it. <laughs> but, yeah. but often it means it's a chance to stop right there, but even that's a scheduled time. She asked for a time of my undivided attention. Yeah. And sometimes when I can't, we'll say, hey, what, let's have lunch. And after lunch, you and I can go for a walk or after lunch, we can sit on the patio or after lunch, we can go get a cup of coffee. And so I know that something's in my wife's heart. I'm prepared for it. Uh, so we spend time and, and we do the coffee every afternoon together. My wife actually has given up coffee for now because of some health issues. So she's drinking hot tea. So I'll make a cup of coffee. She makes a cup of tea and we sit. Yes. And, we, and it's not 20, 20, 25 minutes, maybe sometimes less, sometimes more depending on our schedule. But, but that schedule, that spending time together lets us just talk and then scheduling time lets us solve issues. And then, you know, there's just a matter of, of sharing as a guy. Sometimes there's all kinds of things in my heart. And as a guy, I have this tendency to hold it in Right. where my wife being the emotional makeup, God made her has this tendency to let it all out. We're both learning to, to work on that together. Uh, it, it means a ton to my wife if I'm willing to share with her, here's what happened in chapel, and here's what I thought, and here's how I felt. <laughs> and, and that goes against my, my masculinity because yeah. I'm not supposed to feel. But at the same time, by doing those three things, it connects me with my spouse, yeah. and it's made our marriage a very special, happy, loving, wonderful thing. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So it's it's not as hard as we think, really. Right. Well, and that's that's important. I appreciate we mentioned there as far as those scheduled times and her asking you for a time that would be good and, and you working on that because we're we are my wife and I are getting to the point now where our our littles, our young ones are old enough that we can't just talk in front of them all the time. They're, they're getting to the point where if we're talking about something sensitive or or maybe we're talking about a situation we've had with another individual that maybe my wife is asking me advice about or I'm venting a little bit and we don't we we love those other people okay we don't want our children to think poorly of them because or we're having an issue Sunday school and share what you just said exactly <laughs> yeah that's a good one that, that's important too you know my daddy said this yeah uh, and so that those times are getting more uh, we're having to be more scheduled about that hey let's let's 
table that for now. Let's talk about it, you know, here in 30 minutes, once the kids are in bed or let's after lunch, send them outside and we'll talk about that for a minute. Um, and so I appreciate that. That that's where we're at right now. That's very applicable. <laughs> Well, I think that, Billy Young, you said this, if we're scheduling those moments of communication, it, it does open it up then for us to have communication other times as well. I heard a preacher said that we should keep a short list on those things that we need to talk to Jesus about, right? Keep that keep that list short. Mm -hmm. So every every time you're coming to him, it's not with a laundry list of things that you need sure. to ask for forgiveness on. And But if you're talking often, that list is going to be short, which means that you can deal with and have meaningful conversation about the things that are on your heart and mind. You know, it's always better to take care of an issue when it's small. Yeah. And yeah. when it's insignificant. Yeah. Because when people come to you to counsel mm. with their marriage problems and mm. it's two year problem, unraveling and coming to an understanding and solving a problem that's been building over two years is painful for everybody. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And if you and your wife can keep a short record of the issues between you, yes. And some issues are ongoing. Like when my wife had our second son, uh, she really did battle with. Uh, I guess they call it postpartum yeah. depression. Am yeah. I saying right? Yep. Yes. And and part of that was my fault because we went on the road pretty quickly after that baby was born. Sure. And physically, she was not ready for that. That was a that was a failure on my part. And I've learned since then to. My wife's important. Her health's important. To slow down, and sometimes she just can't. And you know, but in those that 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 was a time where there were several months of you know what is happening to us. Yeah. And, and yet, I, here's here's what I did learn, and and I have learned that communication is natural, but oftentimes has to be on purpose. Yes. Mm -hmm. And everybody, everybody talks, yeah. but in a marriage, yeah. that morning walk for us is an on-purpose yeah. communication. Yeah. The afternoon coffee is an on-purpose communication. And, yes. and I don't, I don't want to make a big deal about this because it's only personal to us, but, but some years ago in our family, this is for by some years ago, I mean, it's probably been 12, 18 years, maybe ago that we decided that we would unplug the TV. One of the things that happened is we realized that we are so busy, we have no time to talk and no time to spend with the children. And so we were starting to think about what could we let go? Well, you know, I don't want to let go of my ministry, but right, I could course. let go of entertainment. Yeah. And so by turning off the television, uh, we ended up spending more time at the table with our children. Yeah. So we would eat a meal together every night and then we would sit and laugh and talk. And in the communication with our children, then they look forward, even to this day, my college kids will come home and when the whole family's in our house and we're all around the table, typically the meal will be a minimum of an hour and a half to two hours. I love it. Because we talk. And now my kids are college kids. So the conversations that you have with, you know, college, not college, I have two that are married. Okay. The conversations yeah. you have with your children when your sons, you got three sons in ministry. <laughs> And, yeah. and now they love this thing. My, my older kids have this thing about I'm the boomer. They're like, uh, yeah, well, boomer. Yeah. And so yeah. we actually have a rule on our house. Now you can't call me a boomer. Okay, <laughs> good. That's good. Good rule. It's <laughs> funny because the conversation that goes around our dinner table right now, because we've got an 11 month old, which she's not talking yet, but then our son is two, almost three and our daughter's four, almost five. And so one of our favorite conversations is what was your favorite today? 
And yeah. man, that just gets them talking. So yesterday they went to a trampoline park with mama and that they were telling me all about that. That was so much fun. That's, so that's just kind of planting the seeds for that, yeah. trying to get that, that my two teenagers going. that are still at home went to a trampoline park this week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. And I said, Daddy, we, we want to take you back. We want to take you with us. And I thought, okay, I, this yeah. is fun. I love this. Yeah. This is good. There's yeah. your future plan. Make a big deal about that. Cause yeah. that looks yeah. That's awesome. Yep. yep. That's awesome. Now you, you mentioned, or I think Thomas, you brought up keeping a short record and we talked about that for a minute. And I, I think that's probably what it's talking about a little bit in Ephesians 4, 20, uh, 26, when it says, um, basically don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Yes. And that, that's something that we have tried to keep as a practice in our marriage. And because of me, we don't always do it because I, sometimes I don't want to get it right. And it's late at night and I'd just rather go to bed. But mm -hmm. uh, the, the times that we get it right, man, the, the next morning is certainly more pleasant, <laughs> even if it takes an hour or two and we lose a little bit of it, a little bit of sleep. But some, something that somebody shared with us, some wisdom was get it, you know, don't, don't go to sleep on a problem. Keep that, you know, keep that record short. And if you can't get it right, if there's something that you're trying to figure out and it's just, it's been two or three days and you just can't get that issue worked out, then maybe at that point it's time to talk to somebody else. Yes. Get, get a neutral count, some counsel, get some, a, a pastor or somebody you respect to just help you f figure out, okay, what is it that we're not seeing here, yeah. but just working aggressively to, mm -hmm. to not yeah. have a, a long record of things. And yeah. so I, I appreciate yeah. you pointing that out and bringing and probably, that to the surface. Probably one of the greatest texts to learn about a communication is Ephesians four, where he does tell us to put off the old man and put on the new man because he immediately then addresses with the fact that we ought to be honest with each other. And, and sometimes for, for us as men, it's hard to be honest about how I really feel about it. Uh, yeah. But the Bible says there, I shouldn't lie about it. The Bible says you be careful that you're not allowing dishonesty in your communication. And of course, you just quoted, we're not to let the sun go down on our wrath. And, and just as a little aside to that, there are times when Beth and I, sometimes because of just weariness or because our emotions are complicated at the moment, that we just we just can't solve it and it's it's getting late so we have we have made an agreement with each other in which when that happens we will say all right we're not getting anywhere so let's talk about this tomorrow yeah, yeah i but like that this is this is how we follow up let's talk about this tomorrow tonight i want you to know that i love you and i always will and nothing that happens in this issue is going to change that. That's important. Yeah. And by saying those words, we just made that a habit of saying those words. But then he goes on in that passage, you know, and he says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. And, and the way we know what he's talking about there is because it is in opposition to the next phrase. Don't let corrupt communication. Instead, he says, edify and minister yes. grace to your hearers. And that, yes. that is incredible. When we as men and, and as wives learn to edify each other as opposed to tearing each other down. And when we learn to minister grace, when your spouse is, you know, she's hurt your feelings or she's, or, or you know, or for you ladies, he said the wrong thing. Uh, the Bible says what we do to handle that is we minister grace. And it's in the, it's in the context of communication. So with my words, I minister grace. And my wife said to me the other day, and this was so, it was a little convicting. She said, uh, I know you didn't mean that the way it came across, but it still hurt my feelings. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, what, what she was there was she was ministering grace because you didn't mean that. 
but she was also pleading for me to talk about it. And so all I had to say was, come here, honey, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Forgive me. And, and it was so simple by ministering grace. But, you know, one of the things you can do in a marriage that has, um, it'll fill your love tank on both sides of your marriage, her love tank and his. And what you do is you build each other up. Nothing said to me yesterday, I'd worked on our RV and it was a little frustrating because my RV is getting older and, and uh, I, you know, it's just got to go fix another little leak on the roof of the RV. And so I was on the RV roof. And, and when I came down, and all, she said something like, you know, honey, thank you for working so hard. Oh, so, wow. She said, you're so impressive to me that you know how to do all of that. And she even said this to me one time. She said, um, uh, you know, honey, my daddy, daddy just never did that. And I just get, you know, and, and he, my daddy was an amazing man, yeah. but he never, he never did the work on things like you do. And, and you just, you impress me. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then yeah. even what else can I fix I, around here? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I went to, uh, I was, I came down last night on my way to church. I was heading to the, we're in a revival meeting in Ohio. And I came out of my, my bedroom in the RV and I had my suit and tie on. And my wife stopped what she was doing and she turned around and she said, wow, you look good. <laughs> and it kind of caught me off guard. And, you know, and so my response was, well, you know, come to think of it, I do, don't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm so glad I'm not the only one who says those kind of things. That's awesome. Yeah. But it's amazing to me. I had to realize it's amazing how I feel when she edifies me. Oh, yeah. And I want to do that for her. Uh, do you remember the Song of Solomon? If you've heard me speak much on communication and marriage in the Song of Solomon, the Shunammite woman, she's concerned about her complexion because the, in, the, in the words of the authorized version, she's black. Right. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that she's African. It means that she's tanned. Yeah. She's concerned about that because she's a farm girl. And, and I looked up the culture on that one day and realized that the reason that's such a big deal to her, and it's in the very few verses, the first time she speaks, She's concerned about her looks. She has an insecurity about her looks because in their culture, the ladies who were in the palace, the ladies who were wealthy, they didn't work outside and they did not have a tan and to be pale skinned was desirable. It's interesting how that's changed in our culture, isn't it? Yes. To have a yeah. tan is what we want. We want to look tan. But in that culture to have a tan meant, oh, you poor thing. But the first time Solomon speaks in chapter one, he addresses her insecurity mm. because the first thing he says to her is, he says, your cheeks are so comely. Right. Wow. And, I, and it dawned on me one day, uh, he's edifying her there. She's all nervous about going down to the palace because, and, and doesn't your wife do that sometimes? Isn't it, you ladies that are listening, isn't it true that sometimes you're like, uh, you know, I don't have a thing to wear and I don't like this old dress and I don't like these shoes and I don't know if this purse matches. And when I, as, as Bethley's husband, when I say to her, wow, babe, you look stunning. That is a beautiful skirt. That is a beautiful necklace. Or, wow, your hair looks really good today. That's edification. And what that does is that meets her needs and builds her. So, you know, because yes. the word edify means to build. Right. And if you build each other in your marriage, you Ephesians 4, study that passage, because that helps all of us to learn how to communicate in our relations. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. 
It, and it speaks directly to the idea of how we're going to talk in, in love and building each other up. That's incredible that we can do that. And, and, and we, we lay hints all the time, I think, in our communication about like, like, like the lady does in Song of Solomon, right? She's like, hey, this is, a, this is something that is insecure for me. And so then Solomon goes out of his way then to, to build her up in that, in that specific issue. If I'm looking for ways to do that to my wife, that, that, that's going to be a help to her. And certainly the times that she, she does those things to me, she sent me you know, a message yesterday with some, and some stuff going on and just, she says, I, I'm really glad that you're a guy that can take care of that. Thank you so much for handling it for me and those kind of things. And, you know, it, that helps in those, like in those moments where I'm like, I don't think I could do this. She's like, I'm yeah, so yeah. glad you did. And I'm like, okay, I guess I can. <laughs> and like yeah. those, those kind of moments are amazing that, like I think that's how God designed it, right? That we can work mm -hmm. with each other that way. <laughs> like, yeah, that's why so. that's why God gave us communication. It yes. turns it turns a relationship into something yeah. special, yeah. something sweet, and so uh, something very unique. Yeah, so good. Well, and so on that edifying piece that you mentioned there, Brother Young, it, it it's interesting. At, at times, I feel like I. I I tell her she's pretty all the time, or I compliment her on that all the time. And I don't want it to be cheesy. Okay. Does she really want to, you know, hear that I, I like how her hair looks again, or that I, that that dress looks nice on her. But then I think, but then I have to realize like, I like it when she says those things to me, it doesn't matter how many times and how cheesy it sounds. And if I believe her or not, or not, you know, that I'm the, I have the biggest biceps of, you know, any man in the church or whatever. I, I don't care if it's true. I'd like to hear it from her. Oh, she, she lies. She yeah, she does. <laughs> She's a, a great edifier though. That makes her a great edifier. She, it, it, so, but if I enjoy hearing those kind of what might be perceived as cheesy kind of things, she probably does as well. Sure. So, and here's what you'll find about our culture. Uh, our culture uh, jokes and ridicules and yes. they, they sneer at that kind of thing. Yeah. People sometimes will meet people and he'll be like, are you people for real? Right. Cause you know, my wife and I, we just have made it a habit of, of, of laughing together, flirting. And I'm always aware of my wife. If I'm in a church and I'm talking to somebody in the lobby and she comes up and is standing near me, I'll reach out to pull her over to me to pull her into the conversation because I want her input. I want her partnership. But but sometimes you'll find that the culture makes fun of that. If you watch TV much at all, people, you know, here's a couple and, you know, they kind of flirt with each other and the kids are all like, oh, my word. And so everything in our culture ridicules it. But I'm telling you that in the church uh, that we ought to have amazing marriages that are sweet, that are loving and, and you're going to have issues. We, we are human natured, but, but a happy marriage uh, really makes life just worth living. Yes. Someone said about one of the old time, I think it was a Puritan. I'm trying to remember the name of which one it was. I was reading this recently. And in his church, he was going through a terrible battle in the church. And someone said, wow, you would think he would be more down. Mm. You would think he'd be more discouraged about what's happening in the church. And then, then I don't remember exactly how it, you know, how they put it, but there was something to the idea that, uh, oh yeah, but everything's fine at home. So he's good. Wow. You know what I found that in my own life, uh, there's been several times in our ministry where we've gone through dark alleys of dealing with an issue or a misunderstanding. I actually, you know, I, 
I've been in a partnership with at least two different ministries in which we, we, and, and the stories are fine and it's over and I'm done with it. Right. But at the time we were, you know, kind of removed from two ministries and uh, in a brutal way, you know, some letters were written and, and you yeah. know, it just hurt. It was dark days, but even in the midst of that, uh, all was well at home. Yeah. I could walk into my house and know that here's the person that loves me so good. and yes. if nobody else loves me. This lady loves me. And, and what got me through those times was that Bethley Joy just kept telling me how wonderful I was, even though I had somebody else writing letters and telling me I was just an ungodly jerk. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. And so marriage is amazing. And this communication thing is one of the things that doesn't happen by accident. Right. But so good. We will grow in this area. And, and remember that you've got to schedule it and you've got to spend time together. And if you'll do it, you can have a really sweet, sweet marriage. And, and use that word sweet. Uh, make the words, I, I, see, I have an outline I use somewhere along the way. Uh, our words should be sweet. Our words should be soft because the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. And you know what I discovered there? It works. Yes. The word soft has the idea of lower tone. When, when, when Bethany and I are having a problem, and um, and she's wrong, right? <laughs> or her husband is. Uh, what I've discovered is that if I lower my voice and I and I lower my tone, it helps diffuse a situation. So soft words, but sweet sweet words are in, in, are amazing. Uh, sweet words, it, sweet words are when you say thank you for that meal. Sweet, it's a sweet word when you say, "Wow, you look beautiful today." A sweet word says. Uh, the way you handled the kids right there was so amazing. And what you find is that soft words and sweet words, and this is the other S, it turns into strengthening words. Yeah. And it strengthens me, yes. but it also strengthens my marriage. And, and it even strengthens my future because building words help me to handle things better the next time. And so those are, those are some good words for that's you. Good. Yeah, that's and, good. Uh, those have helped me immensely. You mentioned the culture brother young isn't it so true though that another thing that our culture um, almost idolizes if you watch tv or movies it's more the snarky sarcastic communication yes. and and so that's almost like the the opposite the anti of what you're talking about here soft and, and sweet um, yeah it, it more idolizes that the the one liner the punch the guy with the sharp tongue or the woman with the sure. sharp tongue that's that's almost idolized and if you yeah. if you can really cut somebody down man you're you're to and be you know, respected here's, here's something i observed recently every couple is different yeah. and um, we were with a couple recently an older pastor and uh, he's been in a church for 33 years so i mean he's he, he's getting on up there and, and he probably was one of the most um, hysterically sarcastic pastors I've ever been with. Okay. And boy, he was fast on the draw and he would just, you know, he would catch you in every little thing. And, and it was funny. I never felt offended by him. I mean, the guy made me laugh the entire week. Well, then we went out with him and his wife and she was the same way. Right. And he, here's what I learned though. What I expected was, wow, if my wife and I were like this, but what I saw in their marriage was, that part of their sarcasm was their personality, but they had never allowed it to be a problem. And, and they laughed at each other and they teased each other. And every time they laughed at each other, they touched each other. 
so that in the car, uh, he would say something and they would just die laughing and they would touch each other across the, you know, the console there. It's great. And, and what I found was that it wouldn't work for me and Bethley because they would offend my wife terribly and boy, would we have problems. But here's a couple that in their communication style, they were still, even though they were, they were more funny with each other, they were still very sweet to each other. Yeah. And so nobody has to be me and Bethley. And, and, and I don't know how you guys are in your marriage. And, and so sarcasm is not necessarily wrong, but that right. cutting snide, there it is. Yes. Little tear down remarking uh, that is always damaging. And, and I've always, this is my rule of thumb. If it bothers the spouse, it ought to bother me. Yeah, that's good. So yeah, like that's, that. that's the rule of thumb. So if your spouse is bothered by something you're doing, change it because your marriage is more important than your right to do what you want to do. Some real marriage counseling going on. <laughs> your marriage is more important than your right to do whatever you want to that's do, exactly man. That's good. <laughs> that's good. Oh, really young. Any, any final words of advice, anything that you'd like to leave with us as we get ready to wrap up here today? Absolutely. And, and here's what I would say for you that are listening to learn about communication in your marriage determined by God's grace and God's help to have a sweet marriage. Yes. Uh, the world we live in, uh, it's busy, it's fast paced, it's negative, it's destructive, but we can change that because we have the Holy Spirit and we have the word of God yes. and we have Jesus in our life. He lives in us. Galatians 2.20 says, and you know what? Uh, aspire to have a sweet marriage. No, it's good. Spend it's good. time together, uh, touch each other, uh, hold hands, uh, flirt with each other. Uh, let your children know that, wow, mommy and daddy love each other. And, and the most wonderful thing in the world is that at every stage of life, and you're going to go through stages, you're going to, a lot of you are young parents that may be listening to this, but before you know it, you'll be in the teen years. And even in those years, keep a sweet marriage. And before you know it, you'll be in the college years. You just stay sweet and loving. And the next thing you know, you'll be grandparents and There'll be things like menopause and there'll be things like midlife crisis. And, and, and then there'll be things like getting old. And yet, you know what? One of the most delightful things I've ever seen in my ministry that I love is when I'm with people in all kinds of stages and their marriage is loving and beautiful. I watched my in-laws married over 50 years as dad passed away. The love and the tenderness, the joy and the peace. And, and, and then in my own parents' lives, um, my mom and dad are still alive and they're in their 70s. And, and I love watching them walk because now they hold hands. I don't think they did that when I was a kid. But over the years, they allowed that marriage to become a very sweet, happy That's thing wonderful. together. Yeah. And some of you are just starting. You know, you're five years in or 10 years in or maybe just a few months in. But my suggestion would be as we close today would be, Determine now to have a sweet marriage and use yeah. your words, your communication to get you there. It's a great gift from your God. He loved us so much. He lets us communicate with each other on the highest level, perhaps, that you communicate. It's an amazing thing. God bless you guys. I'm, I'm happy you're doing this podcast. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much, William. So much for joining us today on not the pastor brother young has a number of resources on his website 
evangelistdaveyoung.com, including his very own podcast, the Keeping It Young Podcast, where him and his wife, Bethley, talk about marriage, family, and ministry life. This conversation was actually based on a series of conversations that they had on their podcast. You'll definitely want to check that out. If you're enjoying Not the Pastor, would you take time to rate and review our podcast on iTunes? Your rating is a free way to help this podcast reach more people. And finally, we invite you to our Facebook page where we have conversations about these topics. You can find us on facebook.com backslash not the pastor. And until next week, we are not the pastor. <laughs>